And our, our founders were prophetic because between 1900 and 1990, 170 million civilians were murdered by their governments. 170 million murdered by their governments. And you know the one thing they had in common? They'd all been stripped of their guns by those governments. That's the only common factor of these victims of democide. If you want to look it up, the book is called Death by Government by political scientist R.J. Rummel. Look it up. You'll see the numbers and you'll see the common factor. Those people had peaceably turned in their guns to, to governments like the Weimar Republic or the Chinese government. And then when the communists took over, the Nazis took over. They started slaughtering them by the millions because they had no means to fight back. What's the name of that book? Death by Government. Death by Government by who? R.J. Rummel. Rummel. R-U-M-M-E-L. Yeah. It's an amazing book. It's all available on the web for free. I uploaded um, it all to the web. Folks, welcome to the show or welcome back to the show. Uh, we have our friend John Zmirak. John, lots to talk about. Yeah. Even if you didn't want to talk about it, I want to talk about the fact that we're living in such divided times. Um, when I'm talking to someone like you, I don't feel like we're living in divided times. I feel like I'm talking to a sane person who's perceiving what I'm perceiving and who sees the, the madness. It, it's like when the Hunter Biden laptop comes out nobody covers it they say it's russian disinformation you say what what just happened to the world in which i live i mean things were always crazy but this is a new level of crazy similarly you have roe v wade being overturned and so you have pressure being put you have unprecedented stuff you have a leak from the supreme court which is again like man lands on moon level of crazy then you have uh liberal mobs going to the homes of the conservative justices. And then most recently, of course, a clear murder plot against Justice Kavanaugh. And if that's not crazy enough, no one reported on it. On the Sunday right. shows two days ago, they they acted like it didn't happen. That's right. That's when you know our country has been taken over by crazy people. Because in a in a slightly sane world, that gets covered. I feel like we woke up and the other side won the Cold War. And you and I are now living in communist Poland in 1980. And the regime has decided to crack down on solidarity. Martial law has been instituted. They've arrested Lech Walesa. The, the, the mobs are outside the churches. Uh, dissidents are getting locked up in solitary confinement and tortured, and they're being subject to Stalinist show trials. Wait, all that's actually happening. The, the, the left in America is following the playbook of Eastern European communist regimes when they cracked down on democracy movements in 1948, in 1956, in 1968, and again in the early 1980s in Poland. We are experiencing but, but the difference. The same but but one one key difference is that in those days there existed the freedom loving West. 
now there is no freedom loving West. I have right. a there friend is no in America to escape. I have to. a friend in Europe, one of my dearest friends in the world. He he gets his news from, you know, that world and he cannot conceive of what we're talking about. And in other words, so few people in America are awake to these realities. And so the rest of the world is is just it, it's it's you know, it's like when people said the Soviet Union is basically a good place. They cannot really conceive of the wickedness that's been unleashed in America. And, and, and I just find it fascinating that, you know, when you when you talk about that, imagine, John, that if you were in the Soviet Union or in Poland or in any of those places, you said, yes, but America exists. There's a guy named Ronald Reagan who's talking about us. Right now, that's, uh, you know, those okay, people the, exist within. We're, here we are, but we're, we're, we're the last bastion and we're being conquered uh, because in Europe already uh, hate speech laws prevent people from even discussing immigration in Europe. Nobody has guns to defend themselves in, in Germany. They locked everyone in their houses over COVID in Austria. They did the same thing. Uh, it, Europe, ha- in a sense, has already fallen to the kind of administrative dictatorship of multiculturalist leftism that is they are trying to impose here. Do you remember when Barack Obama was elected and he said, we're, we're going to become a normal country? By normal, he meant Belgium, where, the, police, where the, the army is unionized and goes on strike, where guns are only in the hands of a few specialists in the government who are unionized and go on strike, uh, where ordinary citizens are basically subjects again. We've returned to the situation of like the Renaissance where absolute monarchs, absolute regimes rule over the citizens. The whole that whole detour of the glorious revolution and John Locke and the English Bill of Rights and American Revolution, American Bill of Rights. It's like that was a detour and they've gotten they're pulling off that detour right onto the road of tyrannical centralized rule by small arrogant elites as if that's the norm for human nature. And this was just an experiment and the American right. experiment is over the rat dot. But that's you and I, opinion. you and I, uh, because of our faith in the God of scripture, we still have hope. Uh, we praise him no matter what, but uh, I, I, I have to say that, there are enough of us who do see what is happening and who are talking about what is happening. And if people wonder, why does Eric Metaxas talk about this stuff? Why didn't he just, you know, manage his little Bonhoeffer career and be like a, a Christian statesman above this fray, you know, be sensible and hang out with David Brooks and the sensible people. I have to tell you, um, I didn't choose this path, uh, but I don't know how knowing what I know I could be silent. And that's to you me have a the conscience. issue. You have a conscience, Eric, and that is a handicap in this business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is not something that has ever afflicted the likes of David French or David Brooks. Uh, these are people who operate. They're like fish that know how to navigate and swim along with the rest of the school, never bumping fins with any of the other sharks. And they just navigate by where the other sharks are going. There's there, there's no conscience. There's no look. Moral I can't. Compass. I can't say that. I don't. I don't have a. Clue. I'm saying that. I no, I know. Saying- and I, and I don't have a clue, <laughs> frankly, what motivates folks like that. 
All I'm saying is that uh, it is my conscience that provokes me to speak because, I mean, this already happened uh, during the Trump uh, era. And then it happened, particularly with the with the election, when I said, wait, wait, wait a second, this doesn't seem right to me. And I thought to myself, if I don't speak up, shame on me. You can't write about people like Bonhoeffer and then keep your mouth shut when it suits you for your career. But we have to be I I think we have to acknowledge the madness in which we're living, because, John, look, more and more people are waking up. I mean, the fact that Lauren Boebert uh, has a megaphone, uh, the fact that uh, uh, that Marjorie Taylor Greene is is speaking out, the fact that Dinesh D'Souza made a film, 2000 Mules, the fact that all of these people continue to speak. And it seems to me continue to gain ground that every day there's a new report on how the vaccines are harming people. Every day there's a new report on uh, how uh, there has been election fraud. In other words, it seems to me that we're gaining traction. We're gaining ground, um, which is why the left is battle. That's why the left is ratcheting it up and, and trying to create this sense of crisis by pointing to tragic things like school shootings and pretending that the issue is not police misconduct. Here, that mass shooting in Texas was 100% the result of police misconduct, of cops in body armor spending more than an hour hanging around outside the school, stopping parents from going in to save their own kids while a shooter picked off children because these cops wanted to keep to protect their own skins. They didn't want to risk their own lives. They're in the wrong business, okay? But these are, we're supposed to all turn in our guns so that only the police have guns, so that the police can use them to keep us away from our kids, keep us from protecting ourselves, our kids, our property. Look at the riots of 2020. Violent mobs destroying cities, throwing firebombs at courthouses and police cars. None of it, none of it, controlled by the left, by blue state governors and mayors. But Kyle Rittenhouse defends himself. They swing into action and try to put him in prison. Jake Gardner defends himself. They go, they arrest him. They charge him with murder. They goad him to suicide. The McCluskeys defend their home against a mob of arsonists. They get arrested and, by the way, have lost their law licenses, can't make a living and will never get them back. What does this mean? The regime wants us helpless and terrified. The regime sees street mobs of the left as its muscle. That's its street muscle. And what it wants is you and me disarmed so that its thugs can terrorize us at will, like in the Cultural Revolution in China, like in the Spanish Civil War in 1936. And we have to be committed that if these people want a Spanish Civil War, we're going to make sure the good guys win the second time, too. Well, this is the craziness. We have to acknowledge these things. We have to talk about these things. We also have to acknowledge that people that we once were able to trust, like Fox News, we're now either no longer able to trust or mostly no longer able to trust. Fox News had this big pro-transgender thing recently. They had a big thing on their website uh, uh, celebrating pride. A little uh, five-year-old child who's 
been his parents are encouraging him in, in the delusion that he was born the wrong sex. Yeah. Do we let five year olds choose whether they eat candy instead of meat? We're, well, let's go. Let's go to a break, folks. We'll be right back. We've got John for the hour. Don't go away. And I got myself undressed. I ain't ready for the altar, but I do agree this time. Folks, I continue my conversation with John Zamirak, Z-M-I-R-A-K, Z-M-I-R-A-K. Please sure you have it right. John, you were just you know, talking you, about something horrifying. Please continue. Talking about whether you can trust Fox News or National Review or these other institutions that you, we used to well, see. Well, wait, wait a minute. Fox right. News and, and, and National Review, they're, they're- They've both gone squishy on the same exact issues. You can always count on them to be- 10 degrees over to the right from the radical left. So if the radical left wants prison camps to kill 10 million Americans, I think Fox News and National Review will come out and say, no, it should only be five. Uh, If they're running, if the left is jumping off the cliff, National Review and Fox News will be sliding off the cliff. The point is they don't make principle, take principled stands. They don't help us stop moving in the wrong direction. They just don't want to slow it down and do it in a nice orderly way. The point I want to make about Fox news. Well, there's a lot, but basically uh, two days ago, I was flying home from um, San Diego from actually from Los Angeles where I I'd been uh, speaking and, and at our gate at LAX airport, Delta has a gigantic balloon rainbow. And when I mean gigantic, it was absolutely gigantic. And I thought to myself, this is where we are, that you have Delta Airlines celebrating Pride Month. Now, why? let's think about why are they doing this? Partially, they're doing this out of pure fear. All they know is we don't want to get in trouble. We want to go with the flow. We want to go. And I say in my upcoming book, uh, a letter to the American church. I only mentioned it, but it's, it has to be said Germans in the thirties, when they put out the swastika, they didn't know what that would come to represent. They just thought, just don't bother me. I'm not a bad guy. I don't mean any harm. So I'm putting out the swastika. Of course, this has now become, you know, like a satanic symbol. But when people are putting out all these displays of what we want to get on board with the pride month thing, I think what is motivating this? What are you getting behind? Why do you feel that you need to put this in people's faces when most Americans are really not thrilled with the idea of, of the, the transgender or the LGBTQ agenda? They're not really thrilled with this. Why do corporations feel the need to, to push this? Uh, in, because they in this know way? it's a new it's a new official religion. Right. It is. And, 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 and they want to get on board because they want to be where the power is. Because that's where the money is. That's where the easy retirement is. That's where peace and comfort. Nobody wants to go through what Mike Lindell is going through. Nobody wants to be like Mike Lindell or Kyle Rittenhouse. They don't want to be like uh, Dinesh D'Souza. They don't want to be like you. They don't want to be the people who are taking heat, who are taking flack because they're over the target. They they don't want that. I mean, right. And guess what? I don't want to be like that either. 
Well, uh, of course, I don't want to be like that. But what choice do you have, folks? Either you trust God and do what you think is right, or you hedge your bets and say, I'm not so sure about God. Uh, I don't really see that you have a choice. And so when people play that game, I worry about their souls. I mean, if that's if that's the game you want to play, you're, you're playing a much more dangerous game than I'm playing, it seems to me. You know, it's so stupid to sell your soul nowadays. It's a buyer's market. You're going to get pennies on the dollar. You might as well hold on to that thing. It might come in handy. (laughs) Who knows, right? Think of it as like Confederate money. It's a keepsake, at least. Uh, Right now, the most dangerous thing that's happening, bar none, is the seizure of Americans' guns. Correct. And. We have 10 Republican senators signing on because they are sniveling, spineless cowards, signing on to the destruction of our Second Amendment. And and our who Second are Amendment they? is one thing that separates us from other countries on Earth. It is the one thing our founders put into the Constitution as a backstop against tyrannical government. They said that in the ratification debates of the Bill of Rights. They said over and over again, all across the spectrum, At least we'll have an armed citizenry. That is what brought us this republic, overthrew the British. That's what fought off the Indians. That's what defended our religious freedom for the last 150 years. That's what we're going to count on, an armed citizenry, well-regulated militia. That's the ordinary people of the country having the means to push back against a tyrannical government. And our, our founders were prophetic because between 1900 and 1990, 170 million civilians were murdered by their governments. 170 million murdered by their governments. And you know the one thing they had in common? They'd all been stripped of their guns by those governments. That's the only common factor of these victims of democide. If you want to look it up, the book is called Death by Government by political scientist R.J. Rummel. Look it up. You'll see the numbers and you'll see the common factor those people had peaceably turned in their guns to, to governments like the Weimar Republic or the Chinese government. And then when the communists took over, the Nazis took over, they started slaughtering them by the millions because they had no means to fight back. What's the name of that book? Death by Government. Death by Government by who? R.J. Rummel. Rummel. R-U-M-M-E-L. Yeah. It's an f- amazing book. It's all available on the web for free. We I uploaded um, it all to the website. We're going to go to a break. Make like a Mr. Meek and you'll get cut out. Make like a little lamb and wham, you're shorn. I tell you, t- snow, cement. Hey, gang, welcome back. Talking to John Zmirak. John Zmirak, you have written an article saying that red flag laws are very bad. I don't really understand this. Please explain this to me. This is this is the thing that the Republic, the 10 Republican cowards have signed on to. This is the, the the thin end of the wedge that will destroy the Second Amendment. A red flag law turns the second your Second Amendment gun rights into a privilege from the government, like a liquor license or a license to fly an airplane. Uh, and it, it totally transforms it. It takes away your constitutional right. Imagine if your right to free speech 
or your right to freedom of religion or your right to a jury trial or to vote. If all those things became conditional on whether the government likes you or not, that's what red flag laws do. Here's how they work. A red flag law says, if I think you might be dangerous or I just don't like you, you maybe I used to do your lawn and you fired me, or maybe you and I got divorced and I'm kind of ticked off at you. I can call the police and say, I think you are a threat based on my feelings. I think you're a threat to the community. The police will go without a warrant, knock on your door and seize your guns and take them to the police station. Then you have to go to a judge and you have to spend money on an attorney. And the burden of proof is on you to prove that you are not a threat to the community so that you can get back your constitutional rights. Imagine we did that with any... Which Republican senators? Ten. Uh, John Cornyn here in Texas. I mean, the list. Okay, is look, on- John Cornyn is a classic rhino. Yeah, but I mean, the if Texas never Senate- had values. It was many, many, many years ago. So we John Cornyn get- is one. Who else? Mitt, well, of course, Mitt Romney and, and the usual suspects. I don't have the list up in front of me. I just know my Mitt, local senator. Mitt uh, Romney. I, yes. I just have to say, ladies and gentlemen, did you ever vote for any of these people? Mitt Romney, I, you, you I, know, I am I'm astonished that he would go along with something. Well, these like this. people I mean, I'm not I'm not Mitt, Mitt Romney well, is a robot of the establishment. I mean, he, he is these uh, these Republicans, they're cowards. They also they want the gut, the, the gun grabbers to leave them alone. They want to be br- they want to be brought on the networks and highlighted for a few minutes as bipartisan and responsible and not an extremist, not one of these MAGA, MAGA idiots. I'm not like the January 6th people, the same kind of Republicans that want the January 6th protesters to rot in jail, that took part in these Stalinist show trials. They're the same kind that want to take away our guns because they will never live in an unsafe neighborhood. They will always have an armed security detail, and they don't really care if we live in a tyrannical government because they'll be part of it. They are collaborators. Um, I can't overestimate to, to, to you how dangerous red flag laws are. Imagine if you could take away someone's right to vote, like the 19th Amendment. Let's red flag that. I think that woman votes dangerously. I'm going to call the police. I want to have her vote suspended until she proves that she can vote responsibly. But isn't there a way to get around this by going to the justices of the Supreme Court? Because this seems genuinely unconstitutional. It it is. It needs to be challenged in court. But, I mean, we should certainly challenge it. But that takes a long time. Look how long it's taken to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, we need to defeat this in the legislative process. Uh, wh- what red flag laws are, they're like Jim Crow laws. The Jim Crow laws that were passed around the South af- after Reconstruction were designed to get around the 14th, 15th, and 16th Amendments, to get around the, the, the Reconstruction Amendments that gave rights to black citizens. These red flag laws a Jim Crow end run around the Second Amendment, trying to strip us all of our Second Amendment rights with fake restrictions. But again, it outsources gun grabbing to the Karens and the nosy neighbors and the disgruntled ex-employees out there, any one of whom can rat you out and lie, say that you are a threat to the community. And then the burden of proof is on you. It's on the accused 
not on the government. That is a complete inversion of due process. But that even turns the whole legal concept system. of it seems un-American. I mean, the idea that you're going to you're going to allow anybody to to complain about a neighbor or something like that. What, that's not really the way we do things in America. So and and why is it just, called red flag? What is that? Because you're throwing a red flag. This person is dangerous. Now, by the way, you don't get a jury trials decided by a judge. And most judges in America are liberal. A lot of them don't even believe in the Second Amendment. They don't think anybody's safe to have a gun. So this takes the whole Second Amendment and hands it over to individual left wing judges of the same kind of judges who refuse to hear any evidence on the 2020 election fraud, the same kind of judges who routinely issue unconstitutional opinions. And it's shocking and appalling to me to see so-called conservatives like the Ethics and Public Policy Center come out in favor of red flag laws. It's just it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the Ethics and Public Policy Center, what, what is going on? I mean, how is it possible that they could not understand how wicked this is? Well, I mean, they're the same ones who were who were saying that there was there were no ethical problems with the dead baby vaccine. They're the same ones who said that the the Iraq war was a just war by Christian just war standards. And they've been wrong about everything. I mean, perhaps in their entire existence. Right. Um, there was another article that you wanted to talk about. What, what's the other one? Well, I've got a historical piece about the role of citizens militias. And the Second Amendment talks about a well-regulated militia. What does that mean? Uh, what is the history of, of these militias and what could we do? What, what use could they be to us now? Right now, we have an assassination, an assassination attempt against a Supreme Court justice. We have threats against another Supreme Court justice, Amy Barrett. The police don't seem to be willing to protect them. The Justice Department won't send anyone to protect them. I think citizens should show up with their AR-15s in front of the houses of each of the nine justices to protect them against any harm, whether they want them there or not. And that will get the police there. That will get the cops. And what we need is cops. And every night, citizens should show up with their AR-15s, with their handguns, and stand out there. Try to organize in groups. That's a citizen's militia. It's a group of people organizing to protect public order. That's what should have happened during the George Floyd riots. That's what happened in 1776. That is how the American Republic was created. Hang on, we'll follow up more on this with John Zmirak, folks. Don't go away. All right, John Smirak, you were just uh, talking to us about citizens' militias. Go ahead. Citizens' militias are the last backstop against chaos or tyranny. And that's what, our, that's what our, all the American founders in their debates about the Second Amendment, about the, the ratification of the Bill of Rights, they, ta- they spoke about citizens' militias as if they were the most natural thing in the world. Because they remember it was militias at Lexington and Concord. 
It was militias at the, uh, in Boston resisting the British. Uh, now, wait a second. That's before we had a constitution. So how, how I, I just want to understand this. Because they regarded these citizens militias as essentially the proper backstay, backstop of order in America. They didn't really want a large standing army. They regarded that as a threat to liberty. So the whole idea of a standing army is something that our founders were not thrilled about. They accepted it, but they wanted there to be the possibility of citizens malicious to counterbalance it. So you could not have a I just don't know. I don't know. What are the laws in the District of Columbia? If I show up at Amy Coney Barrett's house with some friends with guns, what will happen? You might you might get you might get arrested. And I think we just need people showing up every night and getting arrested until the threat is removed. I, I'm sorry, civil disobedience. Just because they pass a law doesn't mean it's a just law that, or that it should be obeyed. Uh, you know, I, but I mean, I if, think, you're, if you're arrested with a gun in the District of Columbia, what is, I, mean, I don't I think don't these really... people live in the district. I think they live in Virginia. I think most of the justices live in the state of Virginia. Yeah. If you're arrested with a gun in the District of Columbia, if you're a habitual felon, you know, I think they just just pat you on the back and send you on your way. But if you're a law abiding citizen with a political grievance, yeah, you'll probably go to jail for a very long time because well, they're because they're persecute. They're intentionally persecuting honest citizens. Look, they tried to put Kyle Rittenhouse in prison for life for defending himself. They didn't care about the mobs who were burning and and. and raping and pillaging through the cities. So, yes, our, the tyrannical regime here is going to crack down on people. Uh, it's astonishing. It's astonishing. John, your articles can be found at stream.org. Uh, again, I want to say to my audience, folks, we all have work to do. Uh, the work most of you can and should do, at least, is go to stream.org. Uh, share John's articles with whom you may. It's very important that we all do something. Uh, and before we go to the break, we'll have John at the beginning of uh, our second hour again. But I, I just want to say, folks, everyone is responsible. Every one of us has work to do. One of the easiest things we can do is share information on social media. You can share this program uh, on social media. We need your help. Uh, we can't do it ourselves. You see where we are. Uh, we're in a difficult spot. So I just want to ask you uh, to help us do what we can do. You can support this program. You can support me. I have a Give, Send, Go page. Um, but we're going through tough times. And everybody just has to pitch in, do what you can. Uh, don't despair. Pray uh, that God would not remove his blessings from this nation, but that he would restore us uh, to, to, to true liberty. Um, and we'll be right back, second hour with John Smirak. Metaxas show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Folks, welcome to hour two. Um, I neglected to say, John, when I was speaking with you earlier today, June 14th is flag day. Now, the only reason I know this, uh, anybody who has read my book, uh, if you can keep it, the forgotten promise of American liberty. And if you can keep it, 
I talk about when I was nine years old in fifth grade, Mrs. Saul took us all outside to the flagpole at Beaver Brook School. It's in my book, if you can keep it. And I, up until that point, had been in a Greek Orthodox parochial school in Queens, New York, in Corona. I'd never heard about Flag Day. We didn't really celebrate America much in the Greek Orthodox school. We were celebrating Greece, trying to cling to that tradition in a, in a good way. But I'll never forget how moved I was when Mr. Piccarello, uh, the, the trumpet teacher, uh, took out his silver cornet uh, and played taps. And we stood around the flag and it was so sacred. I remember as a kid how it moved me, how beautiful it was. And I look back on it now and, it, and it's like something from another era. It is from another era, but it was so beautiful. And it has really imprinted that on my mind that we should love our country uh, and, and love our flag. And I, you and I we went to a university where they, they sneered at that kind of thing. So today is Flag Day, and I think it should be mentioned. We should love America because it's ours and because it granted us wonderful opportunities and we've had good lives here. But also, in a special, exceptional way, we should love America because it is almost unique among countries. It is a country based on a prop- set of propositions about human nature. These propositions are true. They are grounded in natural law, in divine revelation, in philosophy, and in the practical lessons of history. It is a nation grounded in concern for individual freedom, exercised responsibly in pursuit of the common good. It is not just a tribal thing where we are the Visigoths, Visigoths together, go Visigoths. That is basically the principle of most countries. And then you have a few countries based on propositions which are false, like communism or like the French Republic and the French Revolution. They are propositional nations, and the proposition is false and evil and from hell. America's proposition is sensible, plausible, cautious, intelligent, drawn carefully, sifted through philosophical reflection. You've had on a wonderful scholar, Robert Riley, in his book, America on Trial, he, t- he gives the best account I've ever seen of America as a propositional nation grounded in the tradition of England and the tradition of Christianity, especially the Protestant churches, and their historical quest for religious, personal, and political freedom. America is that bright, shining hope, not because of some ideology, but because practical, brilliant, courageous men like Washington and Madison and Adams, and then men like Lincoln and men like, you know, various good presidents like Calvin Coolidge and Dwight Eisenhower, they looked at the fundamental principles of human nature and as they've operated through history, how can man be as free as possible without lapsing into chaos? And right now, we're being led by people who don't believe in that proposition. I guess w- what amazed me when I wrote, if you can keep it, what really shocked me was how Lincoln grasped this. I, I really almost couldn't believe how perfectly well he grasped this idea. And Lincoln is one of the few people left that y- you don't have many people criticizing Lincoln. And I thought, well, if you go back to Lincoln, no one loved the founder's vision more than Abraham Lincoln. I mean, it's an amazing 
thing. Oz Guinness wrote a book called The Free People's Suicide, where he kind of tipped me off to this. And I was astonished at how Lincoln understood that we are obliged to teach our kids why we have to love America, what these things are that people have sacrificed uh, and, 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 and for what they have sacrificed. And, and Lincoln just got it. It's just so beautiful to see that he understood this. He understood this as a young man, actually. It's how you know he's so brilliant. I mean, he was only in his 20s uh, when he gave a speech at the Young Man's Lyceum in Springfield, Illinois, uh, which obviously I quoted in my book. But it's kind of amazing that that used to be the American vision. And we had that, as you and I know, roughly until the 60s. And it began to come apart where the elites effectively imported their cultural Marxism uh, into the universities and into our establishments, the long march through the institutions. And we've now arrived at a place where very few people know these things. But I simply think these things are true. It's like math. It doesn't go away. It simply has to be rediscovered and retaught because it's true and because it does make sense. That's right. And so when we say the American tradition, the Second Amendment, gun rights, personal freedom, religious freedom, these things all stand or fall together. They're all part of a coherent vision of man. Uh, the left understands that. They reject that vision. Of man. They reject God. They reject a moral order. They, they reject tradition. They reject any sense that we owe anything to our ancestors or anything to our descendants. We live for the moment, and then we die like mosquitoes hitting a bug lamp. Uh, yeah, that's the left's vision. So I just say, turn well, up the bug lamp and zap as many of them as possible. It, it, it is true. And I, I say this over and over, but I think that there are enough Americans who viscerally appreciate what we're talking about, but they live in a world where very few people talk about it. It's one of the reasons I talk about it on this program. It's one of the reasons I want to talk to you about it, because I think that we have to remind people these things haven't changed. What's changed is that the cultural elites have have gained control, really, of the megaphones. So we have to use what megaphones and platforms we have uh, and eventually take those megaphones away from them because we need to teach this to, to the new generations coming up. Otherwise, America is lost. We're on the verge, as I've said many times, we're on the verge of losing everything. We could almost say that we've lost it uh, unless everybody in America who can wake up wakes up and gets busy and begins doing what they can do. The Second Amendment is the last hill to die on. And I mean that literally. Well, it's interesting that we've come to that, John. You've got an article at stream.org on the Second Amendment. You've got a couple of articles, actually. What are they titled? I'm writing a book on it. So these these columns are part of the book that I'm finishing, uh, tentative title, God, Guns, and the Government, uh, on why Christians have to support gun rights, because gun rights are a natural implication of the Christian vision of the human person. Uh, and why we're in such a battle right now with rhinos and others. And listen, let's be honest. Most people with common sense know that if there were more guns, we'd all be safer. I mean, if there were more guns, if some teachers had guns, if I mean, what happened in Uvalde happened uh, because of one rogue maniac with a gun, not because of guns in general. And you and see also, this played out over and over again. The fact that rogue maniacs, can't be recognized and dealt with and given counseling now. I mean, this guy had danger signals for 10 years. 
but we're all supposed to embrace eccentric behavior and outrageous, artsy, bizarre behavior. So, I mean, hell, they're encouraging five-year-old children to have sex change procedures. So when people act out and act violently and people from broken homes because of lax divorce laws, because of the sexual revolution, everything about this school shooting comes from the left, from poisons that the left has dumped in the water supply, from sexual liberation, lax divorce laws, fatherless homes, kids growing up without fathers, living on welfare. All of it comes from the left. And now when it happens and incompetent, cowardly police don't protect the citizens and stop the citizens from protecting their own kids. Now the left wants to use that. The left manufactures crises and then uses them to grab power. Just the way they flooded the nursing homes in blue states with COVID patients and then pointed to the death statistics to say, well, we need we need to have mail in ballot. We're not we're not going to stop talking about these things, folks. John, we're so grateful for you. God bless you, my friend. Folks, stick around. Get back home. Sleep pretty, darling. Do not cry. And I will sing a lullaby